0: with
1: Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB.
2: The day before Easter edition of Green and Growing. Hey, thanks for tuning in to WSB. We are here for you for the next 3 hours and man, what a fun show we have. It's it's a holiday weekend, but it's also the beginning of spring break. God bless all of you who've been waiting so patiently for this week to come. Um, Traffic really reflected that too Yesterday and and, uh, Thursday A lot of people getting out of town early So I hope a lot of you are still here We're going to be talking Easter chicks No, not the good looking women But the little pink or the uh, yellow fuzzy kind Stretching your plants to get the most bang for your buck I'm going to tell you how to do that And fruit trees So all of that in the next three hours And I invite you to call as well 404 8720750. 8720750. So, typically at six o'clock here, I don't have a guest on, but this is such a timely topic and a fun topic that I found just the right guy to join us today. So, Heath Ward with City Chick ATL is on the line. And I was thinking about some of you parents of the younger kids. Maybe you're thinking about getting them a baby chick. I have known couples to do that. You're getting the kids a baby chick for Easter. But guess what? That thing grows up into a chicken. And a little baby bunny is going to grow up into a full-size bunny So I wanted to talk chicken care with Heath Welcome to Green and Growing, my friend
3: Why, good, chilly morning to you this morning How are you this morning?
2: Really excited about a nice holiday weekend I hope you have some nice plans, Heath
3: Absolutely, going to be working outside pretty much the entire
2: weekend Yeah, I think it's going to warm up tomorrow So we're thankful for that Well, so I kind of went in a very roundabout way to find out about you But tell us a little bit about City Chick
3: absolutely and thanks for having me on this morning um my name is heath and i'm i'm the co-founder of city chick uh we are a backyard chicken business uh that serves the atlanta area uh basically i i sell and deliver organic chicken feed as well as i build uh chicken tractors which are kind of a uh uh, a chicken coop that you can move around a backyard um i i also sell other other chicken supplies and deliver them and i've taught uh Classes about backyard chickens At uh, different places around Atlanta And Gardenhood. You know, Basically help teach people <laughs> How to raise uh, chickens And to be a little bit more self-sustaining But this is a fantastic topic And I'm glad we're talking about it today
2: Me too And I, And I started off with something so small And I know that we could get fairly large And deep into this topic But why don't you spell out for us, Heath For the young parents that are listening With the young kids Thinking, I'm going to get a fuzzy baby chick for kids X and Y And then I don't know What we do with it But on Easter morning <laughs> Isn't that so cool To get a baby chick So tell us the expectations How long it's going to take For that thing To get full grown uh, And then oh my gosh We didn't really count On the yard space For that thing
3: You know oh, Such, such an amazing topic And uh, yeah So well, what I want parents To know is That cute Cute little Adorable baby chick Loses its cuteness And I hate to say this After uh probably after the first week and we don't want mom and dad have to end up taking care of it after, after the, the first couple weeks, baby chicks, they, there, there's so many different things that uh, people need to know and understand about the chicks is that they need heat uh, in order to grow and which requires a heating source, uh, which I, I'm not a fan of heat lamps because heat lamps can be dangerous in the home if they're knocked over or not uh, not supplied, uh, attached correctly. Um, but I, I, there are things called radiant heating systems that people should look out and invest in. But, yeah, chicken baby chicks need heat, and everybody's favorite thing is uh, – do you, him? do you hear them? Do
2: you hear them right now? It's like I have some in the studio. Do you hear those? Heat- I,
3: I do. <laughs> it, oh, that's hysterical. That's, that's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: they need heat lamps. And for how long?
3: You know, they're going to need, it, like, on a morning like today, I mean, it, it's so important that they, they stay warm. Uh, the first week, they've got to stay at 95 degrees, and they need to be heated for at least the first four weeks of life. Oh, wow. um, and they And that's before you, you set them loose out in the yard so chicks can potentially be inside your home for over a month as you're raising these cute little baby chicks.
2: Wow. And then what is the average weight of a full grown chicken? I'm sure it could range a little bit, but what are we looking at?
3: Oh, okay. The if you are the average weight of a full grown hen is uh-huh. going to be right around four and a half to five pounds. Okay. A rooster is going to be around seven pounds.
2: Hmm, so about a bowling ball? Okay, I can really. Yeah, exa- that. <laughs> exactly. That's a great
3: way. Absolutely. Yep. Now,
2: for listeners who do already have chickens and raise chickens, um, a chicken coop is so important. The right dietary, you know, structure is so important as well. But Nicole from Griffin calls the show so often and for so many years, and she's kind of helping a neighbor take care of some chickens. But she did not have mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge in in the um, in the area. So one of her questions to me a few months ago, and I promised her I'd get her an answer. What what do we feed them? Like she would actually retrieve produce that was being thrown out um, And share that with the chickens But other than like organic food If we're just feeding them some table scraps or human food What's okay?
3: You know, that is a great question And chickens, they they do need feed They need a, a, a balance of vitamins, minerals Just kind of like people do uh, So they uh, baby chicks are going to need a starter feed Uh, Grower chicks need a grower feed And then laying chickens actually need something called a laying feed Which Mm. has the right balance of uh, vitamins and minerals To produce all those delicious fresh eggs
2: Wow, okay And talk to us, if if someone in the city even I don't know what the ordinances are And we don't really have to get in depth in that But if if city folk are interested in raising chickens Kind of talk a little bit about the space that they need The construction of a coop Kind of what's involved in the outdoor space you're looking at
3: that is, and you know what? I'm really glad that you brought up ordinances because a lot of people don't realize that uh, they may be underneath uh, some strict. Different places have different rules and ordinances when it comes to their chickens, um, but typically, your average full-grown chicken is going to need at least at least four square feet of space. Mm-hmm. Um, the The city of Atlanta has has different rules, um, but uh, your that uh, if you have three. Uh, full-grown chickens, you're going to need at least 12 square feet of space for your coop. Um, and I'm trying to think what else.
2: Yeah, like if I just had a plot of land and I'm in a city that allows mm-hmm. it, I'm like, other than constructing a coop and like properly fencing it in, like, I mean, it sounds like they're somewhat easy to get started as long as you're, you know, mentally prepared to take care of them.
3: Well, absolutely. And uh You'll have to place, and you have to think about your neighbors as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of ordinances and or rules require that your coop uh, is placed at least five to ten feet away from the property line. Uh, and you have to remember that these coops need to be taken care of. They actually have to be cleaned out. Uh, no neighbor ever wants to, you know, have to smell a stinky coop.
1: Boy,
3: <laughs> no. uh, so, yeah, you, you got to take these things into consideration about the property lines and neighbors. And I always... I always try to tell people to always go and talk to your neighbors Let them know ahead of time that you're thinking about getting chickens uh, So in that way you can kind of talk to them about uh, what what they can expect um, I've I've dealt with some neighbors before that have not been thrilled about getting chickens But then they're excited once they get the fresh eggs
2: Oh yeah, and how often, like how many times a year do they lay eggs? That may be kind of an ignorant question, but what should someone expect?
3: You know, that, that's a fantastic question is they, uh, they, they generally start laying right around uh, six months on average. Uh, so you have to remember that all those parents that are thinking about getting a cute little baby chick, <laughs> you're going to be investing a lot of time and a lot of effort into raising that cute little baby chick. And it's going to be at least so if right now we are in April, you know, you're looking at not getting your first egg until at least October. And that's going to be a lot of a lot of time and investment up until that point but uh and
2: what's the investment in a rooster like how do people select whether or not they're like yeah I mean, uh, you know talking about na- making neighbors mad but um how yes. do we decide on that
3: well you know and that's uh, I'm really glad you brought up the point because what a lot of people don't realize is that little cute little baby chick could actually turn out to be a rooster and absolutely and roosters have a really a uh, bad lot in life in in the chicken world because mm-hmm. really roosters don't have a lot of use everybody wants fresh eggs and uh um those roosters those poor guys you know they uh, they they either get will uh turn loose mm-hmm. which uh, is not good for them because a predator is going to attack them or what a lot of people don't realize is that roosters will end up in the animal shelters around atlanta oh, trying to get adopted out and nobody wants a rooster and then those roosters could potentially be euthanized um, so yeah that, that's something else two people need to consider is when you buy a baby chick if you're buying baby chicks straight run there's a there's at least a 50% chance that you're going to end up with a rooster.
2: Wow, there's no way to tell just by looking at this fuzzy little yellow ball of happiness, right? <laughs> baby
3: chicks are incredibly hard to sex at, at birth. There, there's a certain way it can be done, uh, but often you know, when parents are seeing that cute little baby chick, uh, they, they might be in a bin that may or may not be labeled straight run, and then you get it home, and it's not a perfect science. Um, I've I bought baby chicks before, and it's a 90% accuracy rate of it going to be a uh, a hen or rooster, and I've ended up with probably about uh, four accidental roosters.
2: Wow! So mm-hmm. Heath, I love this too on your website on City Chick ATL. You have a link for everything you need for raising a baby chick, like all the products that you might consider. Um, the bedding and the, the heater, as we talked about You know, kind of what, mm-hmm. what would make them comfortable Tell me your background How did you get to be an entrepreneur starting this business?
3: <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's kind of a it, It's an interesting thing um, I was actually managing a group of college bookstores Up at Chattahoochee Technical College hmm. And uh, I, I received a chicken uh, coop As a Christmas gift one year uh, From my father-in-law and uh, now, mind you, I had always visited uh, my grandfather's farm when I was growing up, and I, uh, I, and I was living inside the state of Atlanta. Received this amazing uh, chicken coop, and uh, we had two chickens in there, and we thought, man, how great are these things? Uh, and we just decided that we were going to <laughs> start a chicken business. Wow. Um, I actually, I, I am that guy that I called up my boss who lived in Texas at the time. Her name was Amy. Told her that I was. Uh, Quitting my job to, to start a chicken business, uh, wound up signing 10 acres out in the, kind of out in the Palmetto Fairburn area, so we could raise a lot of chickens, uh, moved out to the country, and here we are five years later going strong, and, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the the short answer of how we got started. So, did
2: you ever thank your father in law for the gift that led to you starting your own business?
3: You know, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. He, he's it was funny because I told him I was just like this. You're the reason why I now live out in the country with oh, all these chickens. But wow. uh, but yeah, since then I've I've raised over a thousand baby chicks and. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it been quite a ride
2: All right, so breakfast at Heath's this morning Eggs and bacon <laughs> And we're going to have deviled It'll eggs at your house eggs. tomorrow for Easter <laughs> Also, I'm looking at some of the chicken tractors um, on your website, too That is just, gosh, that's the cutest thing ever Like with wheels, a movable chicken coop That's adorable Now, do you construct those?
3: Yep, we absolutely We build them right here I've got a workshop uh, My garage has been changed over into a workshop and everything is constructed right here. Uh, somebody orders one of those online. We we build it. it right now. is kind of our busy season. It can take uh, it can take at least two weeks uh, right now before I can get one of those built and moved out. But uh, absolutely, we we build those, and we've got uh, a couple different models in there, and we deliver to for free
2: to the Atlanta area. Amazing. So, folks, I think you really need to check this out. And for the parents, we we don't mean to talk you out of it, but it is. A commitment just like it would be if you bought the uh, kids any other pet You know this baby chick is going to be a commitment But if you go to City Chick ATL There is a baby chick supplies category Where you want to get off to the right start and Make sure that little guy has everything he needs Well I mean Heath can folks follow you on social media Or how else can they get in touch with you If this is something they want to do
3: You know, that's that's great. Yeah, absolutely. They can reach out to me. Uh, They can find me on Instagram at City Chick on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, Uh, YouTube. You can find me on City Chick on YouTube. I have a bunch of uh, how to raise baby chicks information up on YouTube as well. Um, so that way we can make sure that everybody understands uh, about chickens I, A lot of people don't realize that those chickens can live up to be 10 years old wow. <laughs> oh, So gosh. think about that before you get that baby chick this weekend, please
2: Yeah, they're part of the family They definitely become part of the family Well, Heath, it's Absolutely. been a lot of fun Like This is a cool topic And I'm sure I will have an occasion to bring you back And we'll kind of get a little more <laughs> in-depth for the folks who are really you know, into this, or really considering it. Just like folks want to start a garden and read up and study about what they need to do and soil and all of that. This is just as much of a, you know, thing that you really need to expand your knowledge to be successful at. So I'll keep your number. I promise.
3: Well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate you having on talking about this important topic. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely.
2: All right. Well, have a happy Easter, I so appreciate you being on Green and Growing.
3: All right. Take care. Thanks again.
2: All right. Great to have Heath Ward from City Chick ATL. How fun. I mean, I just really was thinking Easter weekend, baby chicks. What direction could I go with that? There it is, folks. That's so fun. All right. 621. Time to check traffic and weather. We'll be back and talk with Walter Reeves here soon on Green and Growing. Stay tuned. So a lot of you really were concerned Over the course of the week about the upcoming Frost, right? Kirk Mellish, man He nailed it. He promised that we were Going to have a two day frost and we sure Did. So Thursday night, last Night. So we are going to get a little more Into that. Maybe the plants that you're concerned About. The plants that hopefully you covered That were a little more tender that needed the protection Um, But today Highs are going to be in the low 60s Low of around 39 tonight So it's not going to be as chilly for your Easter Sunday Highs around 70s Lows around 45 No chance of rain in the forecast And the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing Green and
1: Growing Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca Here's your garden to-do list this week
2: a lot of you are going to be spending out time outside, maybe entertaining the family. So go ahead and get these things done today. Number one, you can fertilize the shrubs. All of them are in active growth right now. So about a tablespoon of 10, 10, 10, even labeled shrub fertilizer per foot of height. So one tablespoon. Per foot of height of the shrub You'll be able to just sprinkle it around Number two, green grass and Bermuda lawn Right now it's greening up But it's probably that annual bluegrass Poa annua So you can try digging it out But if you're just overrun with it Make a mental note to put out Weed Preventer next September When you do a fall application Of pre-emergence herbicide That's really going to get to it But for now You have to be careful On those dormant lawns Those warm season lawns Um, And using any kind of post-emergent chemical Or glyphosate or anything like that But when you're in the big box stores and the nurseries Bio-Advanced has that season-long weed control Uh, Scott's has the Halts, Which is crabgrass and grassy weed preventer And it has some post-emergent in it as well And number three, divide overwintered baskets of Boston fern You can divide them down into even four sections Plant new hanging baskets using two sections of each Fern in each basket That's going to make it full And now is a good time to repot some of those house plants That you plan to move outside And remember, that's a gradual process too For the things that have been indoors all winter long You don't want to put them out the first few days In direct sunlight Because you'll start to see some sun scald on those leaves So be very gradual And very intentional about how you move those outside But Boston ferns too If you were able to overwinter those Kudos to you because that's really tricky to do Um, And want to let you know too If you have a small business 95.5 WSB and T-Mobile Want to help your small business thrive this year And we're giving a a small business advertising grant Worth $10,000 away To help someone to promote their business Right here on the radio station So tell your friends, tell your neighbors And your favorite small business To submit a nomination by just going to wsbradio.com And once the show is over, that's where you'll go Click on On Demand to hear parts of the show Listen back at your leisure, commercial free Gonna talk to Betty and Monroe when we come back About caladium bulbs and overwintering those And Walter Reeves, Dividing Perennials How to stretch out the plants that you have Share them, make them last, make them go further So all that and more, I'm Ashley Frasca Stay tuned to 95.5 WSB
1: Flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB.
2: Thank you so much for waking up with us right here on 95.5 WSB. Ashley Frasca in the host chair until 9 o'clock, hosting Green and Growing in the Dave Baker. And the Home Fix It Show comes on from 9 to noon. So a long morning of live programming just for you on this Easter weekend. I hope you're well. I hope you have some nice plans to get together with the family. Or maybe just a relaxing weekend. The weather is going to cooperate. Thankful for that, for sure. All right. I want to talk to Betty and Monroe before we talk to Walter Reeves. She's been patiently holding. Good morning, Betty.
0: Good morning. I'm here to tell you how to carry your caladiums over. <clears throat> excuse me, over the winter.
2: Please do because I did not have any luck with that last year.
0: Okay. I've done. I've had the same bulbs for years. Wow. I have them in a long rectangular plastic um, uh, pot. For lack of a better word, very short Uh But um, I have it in the basement now Where it doesn't freeze They don't dry up, they don't rot When it gets warm, I'll set the pot outside in the sun Water it, and they pop up pretty quickly And then I bring them around to the other end of the house Where
2: we come in and out And they put on a show, never rot Couple of questions So what do you have in the container, if anything And do you have a lid on it?
0: No, no lid. What well, okay. a, a lid would not be needed, and it's just regular soil. And I don't, I don't get the bulbs out or anything. I just p- put the whole p- uh, planter. It's a planter rather than a pot. Oh. I just put the whole planter in the basement, set it down there, and then I set it out in the sunshine. And I've not done that yet, of course. Oh. And I'll be doing that in a week or so.
2: And have you ever divided the bulbs? Do they need that or do they stay the same size?
0: They probably do, but I like them with a crowded look, so Mm -hmm. I've not divided them, but they have produced extra bulbs by doing this, and I've used the same pot, the same ones for several, several years now
2: So you're smart to have them in a pot, that way you're not digging them up every year
0: Yeah, because you and I know they don't do well at all to dig them up Mm -hmm. And this, I just tried it to see if it would work, and it works well
2: That is fabulous, Betty I love that, because I did them in the ground And they, they did well, but they were in kind of a spot that stayed a little soggier than I would have liked But yeah, I dug them up, I put them in a brown paper bag, kept them in the garage And we all know how that story ended But no worries, I I am going to go to Pike Nursery And buy some more, I'm just going to put them in a different spot And I'm probably going to follow your lead Put them in a pot And then put the pot out in the landscape And that's going to be much easier to transport in and out Well Betty, I really appreciate the call Anytime you come up with something like that Where you're successful, please share it with us Well speaking of perennials And things that come back I've got just the guy We're going to talk about keeping some of those perennials alive Sharing them and how to make them multiply It's Walter Reeves Walter's
3: Wondering Walter's Wondering The definitive questions and answers From
1: WSB's OG garden guru Walter Reeves
2: Alright, you're listening to Green and Growing on WSB And my friend Walter Reeves Back with us this morning You're going to learn us a little something, Walter
1: I'm le- I'm learning you that I feel rich I am so totally so totally rich this weekend, I can't believe it I have divided hassas yesterday
2: Yeah, you start perfect with one And time
1: to do it
2: I love oh. it, yeah, I mean they multiply And it's great, you don't have to go to the store and buy any more
1: No, right, 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 a lot of perennials They're great time to divide them As early in the growing season hassas are particularly interesting Or easy to do because A clump of hassas that's a little bit too big And needs to be divided Will have these little twirls of leaves Little Viral things that come out of the ground And you dig the whole clump up And then very carefully sort of wash things with Hose and uh, use your fingers To divide and you'll find out there's Four, five, ten maybe different hosta plants In there, each one becomes a new hosta And you now have ten instead of one It's great
2: Yeah, good to share with other people Like you said, if they just get overgrown And too large for the space This is a good time to Think about dividing those And then once we do that You said use our fingers Maybe a hose To wash some of the dirt away Do we mm-hmm. need a, a shovel?
1: Well, certainly I guess To pull, to get the clump out of the ground I know people who divide daylilies with shovels Because they get so Fibrous and root bound, You just can't get Your fingers in there They're mm-hmm. so tight but the hostas, they fall apart pretty easily No, no shovel needs to do the Dividing other than to dig them out of the ground
2: Okay, and then when we put the Smaller version of the hosta Now back in the ground where we took it up yeah. From, uh, do we yeah. need to build up that Hole just a little more since it's smaller Now?
1: Yeah, yeah, you get some Soil, some good topsoil or something And uh, fill the hole, because like you say, The the big clump has been dug out So be a bigger areas to put the one hosta into, so yeah You put some more soil in there and Find 10 more places just like it for your other houses So be planted in
2: Now I'll say daylilies, that was a good one that you brought that up Those started greening up And really sprouting out for me uh, The foliage anyways about 3 weeks ago So I'm not yeah. too late
1: Not too late, no And I guess we could have done it back then Do it now, but you don't want to wait till the daylilies, what, 3 feet high When you <clears throat> when you divide it You wait till the leaves are just poking out of the ground As it were for me too a couple, of three weeks ago And I thought then I should do it In the mm. next month or so To get it all done in, in April So that uh, the daylilies are divided and I have more You feel rich I really do I feel like rich, a rich guy i have so many more daylilies now Than I did then
2: Well, I want folks to feel the same way So give us some other perennials That we can do this to Hot dog Oh,
1: Lordy Let me think uh, <clears throat> Some you can't divide One is uh, uh, Linton Rose a Favorite of ours, of course Linton Rose or Hellebore It becomes one plant, but it does not divide very readily. But it has lots of little babies underneath the plant that sprouted from seed. They can be dug up, but it's not truly dividing so much as it is separating and putting new seedlings in different places where you want new hellebores to grow. Uh, So that's one that's a little bit different. Uh, Anemone is one that I have a lot of Mm -hmm. Japanese and other Asian anemones, and they bloom in the fall, but the plants themselves do. Grow in such a way they can be divided That's why they them in April every year Get more of them out there What else do I have? Uh,
2: now I'll tell you two perennials I have That I've not divided But I'm asking your permission if I should or not um, I've got canna lilies And I've got elephant ears
1: Good, both of them easily to, easy to divide And permission granted uh, Both of them can be dug And again And the elephant ear will have a little offsets Little baby things, little fist size things on the side of the big bulb. And the uh cantalilies, much the same will have several roots going in different directions from the mother plant. And you can take a sharp knife and divide those into different plants with so a uh Irises bulb the uh bearded iris is so another one that you can divide very easily. Siberian iris another one divides very easily. So just get a, a sharp knife that you can use in the garden, not tell your spouse that you use their You know, steak knife in the garden (laughs) Uh, And divide them up, yeah
2: So that's going to be a little more precise You know, holding a knife rather than Trying to to hit it with a shovel You know, your cut's not going to be very precise If you're just trying to do that But is it pretty obvious for those of us Who have not done it before Where the cuts need to be made? Because sometimes you're just looking at this one solid I guess tuber would be the word And you're not quite sure where to cut it
1: Once you get it out of the ground And do maybe a little washing of the dirt Off the roots is very obvious. There's just one or two connections from one little plant to the next little plant, and just clip, clip, or saw, saw with your steak knife, and they divide intuitively. It's easy to tell where they connect and where they really can be divided. Yeah,
2: and you're talking about irises too. Um, people have had iris beds, you know, in the same space for years and years and years. So, how often is it recommended that you really kind of rejuvenate that bed and divide irises?
1: Every three to four years wow. is probably about right That's a lot of work um, I know people who go longer uh, You're talking to one of them right now But he should have divided his last year And they get crowded and won't bloom quite as nicely If they're crowded together So that's why you divide them But every three to four years is about right
2: So once once we dig them up you know, And go to divide them and replant them It's almost like a, a new plant So how far yeah. apart are we spacing those?
1: For bearded iris, I make mine about 14 inches, is about right, okay. two, two head widths apart from each other. There'll be inevitably with canna and with iris, there'll be some roots that just don't look quite healthy. And you can cut those off and discard them. There's no reason to keep a rotted, hmm. doing nasty looking root in there. Um, so sometimes you, by dividing, you're also making the plant healthier by taking away those sick roots, the ones that are just wet or some root rot or some uh, iris borer, maybe in them, so they just take those out and throw them away,
2: and all these perennials that we're we're just now mentioning with the irises, uh the day lilies, the canna lilies, they like the sun. If you're gonna mm, divide yes. them and plant some new ones in a different area, make sure they they get a lot of sun,
1: and that's a good reason to divide sometimes because they're a tree or something over them has become bigger and denser and more shade there. And so, they, yeah, they need to be uh, the whole clump dug up, divided, put into a place with more sunshine.
2: Now, my elephant ears, they do okay in part sun. Um, so, is that the case, too? They definitely do well. They'll do well in full sun. I guess they're tropical, right?
1: Yeah, they would do as good as can be expected in full sun, but that mm-hmm. also assumes they get plenty of water. If they don't get plenty of water and they're in full sun, they're not going to be happy there either because they'll wilt and not look very not look very happy.
2: Okay, what about um, Coriopsis? Doesn't really grow that way.
1: Uh, the Coriopsis is more like the hellebore, it has lots of little seedlings underneath it. I have some uptick, is what they're called the series of uh, Coryopsis called uptick. Uh-huh. And man, I started with like three plants, I think. Planted a little triangle I must have 30 plants in that area now That there's multiplied by seeds It looks like Uh, Maybe a little bit of root division But the area is much bigger And boy, when they bloom Yellow blooms are so pretty Coriosis is really great The uptick series is just perfectly spaced And colored And those improved varieties of plants It really looks great
2: And a perennial that sadly I don't think we can share in that way But folks maybe wish they could as Lantana. Can't divide that.
1: Yeah, it comes up as one yeah. mama plant and uh, sometimes the lens will root. That's another way that you could divide things that root of the tips of the branches. And so my mother's lantana was by her office door was one plant. So again you know, this was a Miss Huff Lantana so it didn't freeze in the wintertime. And it was easily six feet wide and wow. six feet high when she passed away and I had to dig the darn thing up. Um, but it had rooted The limbs had rooted along the way Every 12, 14 inches, I guess And so it becomes become a big mass Just by rooting itself down to the ground
2: So is that where when you want a plant to do that I, I don't know what that's called I don't think it's air layering But where you force the limb to lay on the ground Maybe put mm-hmm. a light rock or brick on it Or something to hold it down Is that what that is?
1: It, you're on the right track It's soil layering
2: Soil layering, that makes sense
1: Yeah, and you've described it perfectly You get a limb and you Put it onto the ground And where it touches You put a brick on top And it roots right there
2: How do we know what plants We can do that with?
1: Mm, most of it that Limber limbs Can be done that way uh, hasa, not hasa, um, uh, Hydrangea Can be done that way huh. uh, Grape vines My dad used to do his grapevines that way Roses can be done uh, Just as long as the limb Is close enough to the ground It doesn't break it When you bend it down To touch the soil It can be, aired, it can be soil layered
2: and then at what point do you know you're ready to cut it away from the parent plant and let it go on its own?
1: When there's a little more growth, when you see some growth uh, out of the tips of the branch, you can pretty well be assured it's rooted pretty well. You wait until fall when the uh, soil is still warmish, but October is probably about the right time to do it. And you cut away the plant from its connection with the mama plant, and it can be dug and in, in transplanted wherever you want to move it then in October, November maybe.
2: Well, you are feeling like a rich man, Walter And I think the rest yeah. of us are too You have made us that much smarter with this This is a great conversation about perennials I love this
1: They are so easy to do And like we talked about earlier It's so easy to see where to do it, how to do it Just do it now And you are on your way to riches
2: You know one of my favorite things I did with you last spring? You had a plant origins quiz and you gave it to uh-huh. Alex Williams from the traffic team and I, yeah. and we failed miserably, but we had a really good time doing it. <laughs> so next Saturday, I'm going to replay that. And I know you're going to chuckle just like that when you listen back to how much fun we had doing that plant origins quiz. So next Saturday, you, you you take the Saturday off, my friend.
1: Study up, where do grasses come from Where does your long grass come from You need to know that by next Saturday
2: Yeah, y'all y'all better study up Because this quiz is hard <laughs> yeah. So alright, Well, we'll be hearing from uh, from you And from Alex Williams at the same time Next Saturday, in the meantime Be well and enjoy spring, Walter
1: See you soon, Ashley
2: Feeling rich and feeling very satisfied Always with the good advice And the knowledge of Walter Reeves The former host of this very show WalterReeves.com Is how you find him online I guarantee you any plant you have a question about It is mentioned on that website If not once, four or five times So that's a good resource for you Well coming up, we're going to give you the top three things To be doing in the landscape this weekend You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB Updating you on the weekend weather I know you're just dying to know How to plan the weekend A lot of you have outdoor plans Tomorrow, you're in luck Tomorrow, it's going to be Highs around 70 degrees Sunrise service temperatures are going to be holding steady though in the upper 30s So definitely want to bundle up And then today mostly sunny, very dry air High around 63, lows tonight around 39 So it's warming up just a little bit Currently 35 degrees That all brought to you by Finley Roofing And Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz
1: Green Green and growing Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend
2: So I guess I could add a fourth I mean, dividing perennials Walter just nailed it That's something so easy to do But uh, we'll start with what I already had prepared Uh, Number one, divide overwintered baskets of Boston fern They're pretty large If you divide them into four sections You can plant two sections each In new hanging baskets And those are going to look fantastic outside Keep them watered And also now is a good time to repot house plants That you're going to move outdoors In the warmer months Wouldn't do it quite yet but keep those watered as well, untangle the roots if, they're, if they've if they become root bound as you move them to a larger pot Only one inch in size is all you need to go up Number two, fertilize shrubs, one tablespoon per foot of height, something like 10-10-10, pretty basic Or shrub fertilizer, uh, Dr. Earth has a great azalea and rhododendron and camellia fertilizer that I sprinkled around the azaleas recently Let the rains water that in and number three, green grass and Bermuda lawn right now, it's sticking out like a sore thumb, that Poa annua, annual bluegrass. Try digging it out, but better yet, if you're overrun with it, you've got to put out weed preventer, a pre-emergence herbicide next September is really getting ahead of that because it goes dormant for the winter, but those seeds are in the ground just waiting To start germinating as they are right now As soon as temperatures warm up So that's going to be your best uh, defense Against Poe Annua for sure Well the floodgates are going to open up at 7 o'clock Lots of great garden calls, questions I also want to know What perennials have you had success dividing And sharing Or Walter and I talked about soil layering Which a lot of you may not have known you could do that That is fantastic Taking the limb or the branch of something Pinning it down to the ground And letting it develop its own root system So call, let us know Share the good info with us 404-872-0750 Is the number here on WSB You can also reach out to me And message me on the Facebook page When you get on Facebook Search Green and Growing WSB And right there you'll find a lot of good information Plus how to listen back to parts of the show That you may have to miss for this morning We're here until 9 o'clock Stay tuned to WSB